author Marcy Blackwick said, you're always one choice away from changing your life. But no one ever said that making that choice would be easy. And no one said that changing your life wouldn't be scary. This week, the Sidetrack Sisters are talking about our greatest challenge. My legacy writing is called The Hardest Choices. You see, throughout my life, I've always questioned, what am I going to be when I grow up? Although I've pivoted a couple of times in my career life, teaching was pretty stable for me. Right now, though, I compare my life to skydiving. I've left the ground behind and made the jump. Exciting? Yes. Scary? <laughs> Very. Welcome. This is the Sidetracked Legacies Podcast, and I'm your host, Lisa Hoffman. Do you have ideas and thoughts that you'd like to share with your children or grandchildren? Have you learned some life lessons that might help others? If you answered yes to either of these questions, you need to get it down on paper. The world needs your stories, values, wisdom. We call this legacy work. The Sidetrack Sisters have been getting together to write for years, and the topic that we most enjoy writing about is ourselves, who we are, what we've done, and what we believe. Now, we want to extend the invitation for others to join us. So, grab a notebook, journal, or laptop, and listen in while the Sidetrack Sisters share thoughts and tips on how to uncover, communicate, and preserve your stories. So one more quick thing before we dive into today's episode. Please rate and review the Sidetrack Legacies podcast because it will help others find us. And also, be sure to subscribe or follow us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to be notified whenever we have a new episode. And now, here we go. Hey, Judy. Lisa. It's so good to see you. I think you I've too. said that a hundred times or two, but it really is. Pretty it's much. a great, great, great day to see Lisa and to put Lisa on the hot seat. Yes, this is a hard one for me. Um, we got together to write last week and I've been playing around with um, my legacy writing about, um, you know, the, the, my biggest challenge. Um, because I think I've written it before. I, I feel like I'm in the midst of it right now. And so I feel like I don't want to be boring. I don't want to rewrite the same thing, but that's what's coming out right now. So mm -hmm. it is what it is. Well, maybe your greatest advice has also been your greatest challenge. So maybe yeah. they're kind of the same thing, but you know, let's, let's see what, let's see what you had to say and we'll talk about it. Okay. Okay. So, and <laughs> my notebook looks absolutely awful because I'm writing here and there. And um, anyway, I'm not going to. None of that. On. Here we go. Let's hear your title. Oh my goodness. I don't have a title. What is my title? My title is, I think it's just my greatest challenge. I like it. My greatest challenge is okay. Lisa's title. Okay, here we go. Life is full of challenges. College, schoolwork, what am I going to be when I grow up? Finding a life partner, divorce, infertility, adoption work drama, relationship drama, health drama, the list goes on. 
Now, most challenges come and we muddle through to the best of our ability. We don't see the challenge of a health scare, but we really we rally our resources to research and battle the event. Now, that's not been my case, but I know that a health challenge is very real and is life-changing in a good way for lots mm-hmm. of people. You know, you've heard it said, this cancer was such a blessing because I, I found out what was really important to me. Right. Well, our kids challenge us with choices and behaviors that we tackle on a regular basis. We talk to their teachers when we go and we when we go on long car rides and try to talk some sense into an effort to guide a nearly adult teen to make good decisions. But the hardest challenges are those we choose. No medical diagnosis or call from the police to knock us back on our heels and force change. And the challenge that I've always struggled with over the years has always been, what am I going to be when I grow up? When I was in junior high, I would cry myself to sleep, overwhelmed with anxiety over this. In high school, I thought I wanted to be some sort of environmental consultant, activist, um, specialist, but my counselor told me that due to the recent political changes our country was facing, jobs in the next six to eight years in this field would be scarce. Then, upon entering college, I went to the counseling center, and by taking some interest inventories, I was advised to pursue education. I had direction. Finally. Hallelujah. I knew deep down that, well, this wasn't really a perfect fit, but I also knew that I couldn't hang out in college forever waiting for enlightenment. My goal was to get a degree and get out. The important short-term goal was to graduate. Then once I had my college diploma, I could reinvent or reevaluate my career later. And I did that. Um, When I was in teaching. I had been teaching for four years and, you know, I had, it wasn't a good thing that I said when I first started out that I wasn't going to be a teacher forever. After a short stint, just wait, just wait. Hmm. Okay. I'm there's, there needs to be a transition here, but I'm going to read it as I wrote it. I've always said that I wouldn't be a teacher forever. After a short stint in the family business in the mid-1990s, I chose to go back into teaching. I'd left because there was no one who I could see in the large educational system around me who I could point to and say, wow, I want to be just like them when I grow up. You see, the teachers were lovely people overall, but but there were several who I thought should have left teaching years before. They reminded me of the characters... Aunt Spiker and Aunt Sponge from Roald Dahl's book, James and the Giant Peach. Kids were tracked in that school, and those who didn't have involved parents in the lower grades or who had behavior challenges eventually got Aunt Sponge for fifth grade and Aunt Spiker for sixth. They were the grumpiest, ugliest, meanest teachers I had ever seen, and they seemed to despise kids and teaching, yet they were teaching and had stable, well-paid positions after decades in the system. <sighs> so without some come to Jesus moment, I think many of us choose the devil we know over the devil we don't. So when I left this school system, I was involved in the family business. And then I chose to get my master's degree in English and language arts. You see, I knew I loved reading and writing and helping parents and kids. I knew I loved learning new things. 
I wouldn't be in a cubicle or have a desk job. I love change and talking with people who are smart and interesting. Now, these, of course, were many positive reasons teaching was such a good fit for me. It, and it held that for me for the next 25 years. However, unlike my first stint as a teacher when I was fresh out of college, there was no Aunt Sponge or Spiker to scare me. This time, the parts of teaching that weighed on me was really the inflexibility, the paperwork, parents that I struggled to connect with, and administrators that had so much control over my life. I've heard this situation called the golden handcuffs. You're stuck in a career, a life, a relationship that's good enough, seems to be stable and consistent, and it pays the bills. Leaving that job or career for something else is scary. I did that two years ago now when I left teaching to pursue my something else. That something else has turned out to be a year and a half of homeschooling, and then this time right now of my reinvention. Over the time of throwing myself into homeschooling and supporting my family during COVID, I had my own personal, I guess it was a midlife crisis. I had to kind of look at these questions. What did I love about teaching? What was I successful doing? Who did I enjoy working with? When was my energy for work the greatest? What didn't I want to do? Where did I want to spend my working time? Why did I want to work, you know, like more than money? What did I want to accomplish? It was these questions that really sent me on a fresh journey, a journey that I'm still in the beginning steps of. You see, today I continue to blog with my Sidetrack sisters and interview, write, and edit podcast, the podcast Sidetrack Legacies. In May, we're, we're, we're launching a membership for women who want to write and support one another while doing legacy projects. <laughs> I'm wrapping up the certification process to become a life coach and have begun working with people to move forward towards their life dreams. Change, reinventing, aliveness can happen overnight or be a slow process. At 55, I made the scariest decision to step away from teaching and move towards the unknown. My greatest challenge is to trust myself to trust the process and to daily wake up and do the work that I've been called to do. Amen. There you go. Amen. Amen. I say to you a little muddy in the middle, but, um, you know, it's, it, it is muddy. <laughs> it has been muddy and it continues to be muddy and I hate muddy. <laughs> it's you a bit know, of a metaphor for for making changes in life right well you know I've always I mean I love you know you you there are people in the world that you know they've always known what they wanted to be when they grew up they've always had this direction this purpose this drive this you know and I've always was like me <laughs> why can't I, I have that you know there have just been so many things um um I I did that that spark a type test most recently. Uh -huh. And right. I came out as a maven. I like lots of different things. I like learning about all sorts of different things. I'm a learner. I'm a teacher. I'm a, um, someone who likes collecting information. Um, and it's like, yeah, I'm not going to work for an encyclopedia company. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that's really not where we're going here, but, um, you know, um, education, definitely, I was, it was a good fit for a long time, mm -hmm. but there were many things that 
weren't a good fit. Okay, and let's now- talk about that a minute. <laughs> what things work, did working in education give you as you go away from education that you value? Okay, I don't know about value, but things that I'm good at. I mean, okay. I love reading out loud. I love okay. reading out loud. Um, I love writing and I love teaching other people how to write, specifically mm-hmm. kids. That was fun. Um, I loved the commute that I had to and from work. Um, you know, it was like some, it was quiet time. I could listen to podcasts. Um, I love the people that I worked with in education. Teachers mm-hmm. are fascinating, wonderful, interesting people. And, um, you know, it, whenever I'm on a trip or at a, at a wedding or at an event and I find somebody else who's a teacher, it just seems like this instant connection, somebody who I, I, I understand, and I know that they're, they're smart and people that have, I guess the word is interesting. You know, they have, they have things that they, they, there are lots of teachers that are gardeners. It's like, I love that. Um, They have some depth, right, Lisa? Some depth. There's more than just the superficial. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? You know, it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I think Mm -hmm. you said it very well when you said, you told me once you were a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. And I can totally identify with that. You have a curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I wrote down a couple things and they're not questions. They're just comments like um, you knew you didn't want to be a teacher forever. My question was, when is forever? (laughs) How will you know when forever is here? Exactly. Um, Exactly. And, you know, I put in my resignation two days before our school shut down for COVID. I turned it in March 15th and the the school system shut down March 17th. Um, Yeah, it was really, I had, I had kind of set myself up for a soft, uh, soft um, quit date of when I turned 55. That was kind of, I had told everyone, I mean, it was like, I'm going to retire at 55. That was, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in terms of the educational system, the way it was set up, I could, you know, get a little, um, not severance pay, but, you know, some retirement funds to, to keep, you know, as a, um, buffer cushion. That's it. Yes. That's the word as a buffer, as I pursued my next, whatever that was. And I kept thinking, you know, during the summers, I should really be exploring other opportunities and other things. And, and I have, I've been writing and, and reading and talking and for, for many years, unfortunately, when you, when I was in education, it, at this point, it was taking so much energy out of me that I had so little to, I I mean, I, I had young kids and kids who needed a lot of me and I didn't have a lot of energy left to work on myself. Absolutely. I totally get that. It's, it's, um, so when is forever forever is when you realize that you don't have forever Exactly. And that's what I said is, you know, some people will will have a a health diagnosis or they get fired, you know, or they get laid off or, you know, something happens where it's out of their control. Right. And when I I mean, I didn't realize when I put in my resignation two days before COVID shut the world down that that was what I, I mean, I was 
doing it really scared. I was, I mean, my husband was <laughs> tentatively supportive. <laughs> Love you, Craig. Um, hello, hello. Yes. And, um, you know, it's, it's been messy and it's been scary and it's been a real head trip. Um, like we were talking about just a little bit ago. I have one question. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's two years ago. It's two days before COVID shut the world down. Mm -hmm. You have a decision to make. Mm -hmm. Would you stay in teaching mm -hmm. or would you make the same decision you made two years ago? Oh my God. I would totally make the same decision again. Totally. Of course you would. So oh my there's gosh. No, there's yes. no question. There's mm -hmm. absolutely no question. And to say, you know, what I, my, my two cents worth, the, what you received from education mm -hmm. was it continued to grow your curiosity. It continued to help you know what educational opportunities were out there. It continued to help you know what kinds of people you gravitate to and like what kind, what, who is your tribe? You know, you've, you've learned that mm -hmm, through mm -hmm. working with teachers and working with interesting people. You've, um, you've taken, I mean, nobody can ever take that away from you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So just because you're not in a classroom every day, exhausting yourself, doesn't mean that that teaching wasn't one of the most valuable things you've ever done. Right, right. And now what I'm seeing, you know, I even go back to, I'm, I'm going back to when your, your um, counselor said, you know, the environmental uh, opportunity was, you know, too iffy because of the political scene. Well, oh my mm -hmm, goodness, mm -hmm. environmental work now is like a hotbed of opportunity. So, you know, <laughs> I always yeah. love these counselors who tell the future, you know, my crystal ball broke many years ago and I don't try to do that, but <laughs> I can see where what okay. you've learned and your coaching work and your writing mm -hmm. work and your podcasting work could very definitely have a bit of an offshoot into interviewing folks who are making our env environmental changes in the world and adding to yep. the benefits that that's giving you. When you think about it, you know, you, you just don't think about, okay, I have to have a career in environmental work. No, maybe I want to introduce people doing that work to the world. And I can do that with my podcast. There you go. Yeah. Cinchy. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I want you to go back to a couple days ago and you may have even told me this this morning, but when you wake up mm -hmm. and you start your day and it feels so good oh. for you to know that mm -hmm. there's no time you have to be at work, oh, gosh. that you can get up, you can do your exercise, your seven minute mm -hmm. workout, you can do your meditation, you can mm -hmm. walk your dogs, you can come back and you get your kids off to school and you still have life and vitality and energy to mm -hmm. go forward. As a matter of fact, you're probably more energized at that point than you were mm -hmm. when you awakened. Exactly. Am I right? Oh, thousand times. I mean, not only do I, I mean, I used to, I mean, there were days that I was falling asleep practically. Yes. In the car driving, you know, home from work. Um, you know, when you get that, it's, it's just so, um, you know, the, the, the emotional and the physical stress of teaching. I mean, people talk about that. You don't, you know, have time to pee. You really don't have time to pee. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and you know, not everybody teaches like you teach. You know, there are superficial teachers who do the minimum to get the job done. Right. And I think part of what I was sensing from you is that you were feeling some of the limitations mm -hmm. of the curriculum and the administrative yeah. requirements. And you weren't free to be the teacher you knew you could be. No. You had to follow all the rules. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think you like to follow the rules if you see that they're going a positive place. Right. Right. But am I right in saying that they didn't yeah. feel like that? And, for you? you know, the other thing that that I mean, there were um, three or four specific things that I could point to in terms of, you know, um, touchstones that happened in that last couple months that mm -hmm. kind of pushed me over the edge. But for those. Um, well, one of the things was, is that um, I confessed to my administrator that we had um, received a new curriculum and I was not using it with fidelity. And wow. although I was aware that most teachers in my building were not using it with fidelity, I'm the only one who said, I don't have the time or the energy to get this up and running. Um, mm -hmm. It takes more than what I have available to give. Um, mm -hmm yet I was written up for that. And I had never been written up in my career. Um, so transparency and honesty were not a part of your teaching no. career under the new administration. No, over, wow. over the last, uh, yeah, that was one thing. Um, I also had a very, um, over the years, you've always got, you always got come home and you're always talking about little Johnny. You've always got a little Johnny in your class or a, a little <laughs> Nicole who, you know, you just have stories. I mean, it's just like, you're not going to believe what happened today. And um, <laughs> in this past year, I had six kids in my class, um, a quarter of my class that was really giving me a run for my money. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, I had aides in my classroom coming and going and, um, and I couldn't do enough for them. And that was really disheartening. And the I was, I, I didn't know what else to do. And I was not as successful as I would have wanted to be in meeting all of their needs, as well as the other 75% of the kids in my classroom. And Boy, that's a tough, that's a tough spot to be in because, you know, truth be known, a big part of the reason those kids didn't have the ability to take on what you had to give, let's put it that way, was mm -hmm. because their parents were stuck in the same hamster wheel mm -hmm. that you and your husband were stuck in, which yeah. meant you were giving all your energy to your mm -hmm. work and had nothing left over to be the mm -hmm. kind of teacher parent they maybe could have been that mm -hmm. would have helped those kids. Mm -hmm. Is that possible? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and there were a couple more things, but just to kind of the, the one that the, this may just really sound crazy, but it was huge for me. Um, my classroom was my happy place and my classroom was a very unique environment for me and the students. Ever since I, I I've begun teaching, I was a teacher that, that didn't require kids to sit in desks. We had tables. I had um, different kinds of sitting options at the different tables. We had stools. We had little bungee cords that kids could put their feet on, on chairs. I had high chairs and low chairs. I had a, a table that you could be on your knees. I took off the legs, um, the leg extensions, so that, you know, the table was about eh, 
12, 16 inches off the, off the, the rug. Um, I had nooks and crannies in my classroom. I had little rocker chairs underneath tables with, with lamps. And, um, and my principal basically said that I needed to change that after, and, and he was a sweet young thing. And that really, really threw me for a loop. It was like that one holy grail thing that was so important to me that I, I couldn't imagine be, having it taken away. What was your uniqueness? It was you telling the world there isn't just one way to learn. There mm -hmm. are, and it isn't about how straight you sit in a chair. It's what are you reading? What are you enjoying? Yeah. What are you stretching yeah. yourself for? And so it, what it, what it, what it really boiled down to is he wanted, and that, I mean, the direction our school was going in a more um, continuity, um, a consistency of teaching is what it was called. Um, mm -hmm. You know, consistency and um, fidelity to the curriculum. And that wasn't the place that I had come from. Um, I really valued and honored bringing your personality and your, your years of experience to meeting kids where they were at. And it was, it felt like things were clamping down on me. And, um, and that was really, really sad. You know what that sounds like to me? It mm. sounds like, it sounds to me like you outgrew teaching mm. and the new administrators, because I mean, they were sweet young things. You said, I, I questioned the word sweet, <laughs> but they had, um, they'd gone through kind of the, um, the metronome kind of thing where things go to the left and then they go to the right and then they stop for a little in the middle and then they go back and forth. Mm -hmm. and back oh, and the, forth. the, yeah, the pendulum of education, you're, you're on this side and then you're on that side. And, um, really what it boils down to is as a teacher, having been in it with some longevity, you come to understand that you do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, because right now this is all the rage. And in a few years, that's going to be all the rage and you never get rid of anything because it's all going to come around again, you know, and, um, and kids it, it learn was that way. Mm -hmm. It was that way in my career. I yes. was a banker for 45 years mm -hmm. and, you know, I saw all these fads and I won't take your time to talk of it, but all these fads that would come about and there were buzzwords and there were new books that were the books to read, you know, good mm -hmm. to great and Stephen Covey and all those things. And then all of a sudden the young kids come out of college and the new bankers have new books to read. And, <laughs> and those are the books that are going to be the best for being a banker. And I think mm -hmm. sometimes these people, administrators in all capacities look at the wrong things. Mm. I, I mean, I look now for ingenuity. Who's the most, who is the most creative mind? Who's going to appeal to the, to the group that we're trying to appeal to. And I think that is the reason I just feel so strongly that you just plain outgrew teaching. And I, I feel your pain because you're feeling that, you know, you need to contribute and you and Craig, you know, had some agreements and all that kind of thing. And I have no doubt in my mind that you will meet the obligations that he's put out there for you mm -hmm. because it's important to you. Yep. Yep. I know you well, well enough. And there are these things that I want to do in my life that I couldn't have done. Um, you know, next week we're, we're writing our bucket list and I'm, I'm we're not going to have time to get into that, of course, but Michelle and I did, and in our, our interview, we got into the bucket list 
discussion a little bit. There are some things that I want to do that education was was too rigid in terms mm-hmm. of my time and energy to allow me to do that. So I needed to move on into something that was more flexible and took up less of my time. And, um, you know, Lisa, when, when you were in college, I think it was college. Okay. We went on vacation and you were reading a book uh-huh. that was called Life 101. Oh, yeah. And it just fascinated me. So I asked if I could borrow it and I still uh-huh. have it. Oh, I've given it back. I do. It's on my desk. <laughs> and it's said in that book that you can do, do anything, anything you want, you want in, life. in life. You just, just can't, can't do, do everything. everything. And I think what mm-hmm. has happened with you, and I think it's a beautiful blooming and blossoming, is that you have tried many, many things and you've realized, hey, I don't have 150 years. This is where I want to be. And this is what I want to do. And I guess my two cents worth would say, be true to yourself because you know yourself better than anybody else does. Amen, sister. Yes. Just what I need to hear. Just what I need to hear. Well, I'm here for you, girl, and I want to be part of it. You know, I mean, Sidetrack Sisters is a blast and a half. And Sidetrack Legacies is a second blast. It's a wonderful experience. So you're bringing out things in your own mom and your sister. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. you and I have always written together. Right, right. And your mom wrote the best letters when you were in college. (laughs) She did. How much writing has she done in the meantime? And now here she is doing this beautiful writing and fun and Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you're cre- you're creating three people that are growing with you. Mm. So don't you let go of that, girl. <laughs> well, thank you. So this, I mean, I, so yeah, I'm making life comp. What you're saying is I'm making life complicated for not only myself, but for everybody in my life too, right? I think what you're doing is making life fun and interesting, and you're helping us to see that we have a passion in all of this too. So you're not making it complicated. You're making it wonderful. (sighs) Life challenges are, are, are not meant to be easy. That's I mean, not the nature of the challenge. So Mm -hmm. yeah, but um, definitely taking it and um, recognizing it for what it is, accepting it and, and using it as a catapult to, move you into what you're supposed to be doing. That's what I'm doing with my greatest challenge. I, I applaud you. I, I <laughs> applaud you. And I, I want to say, if you're not feeling that tightness in your gut, mm-hmm. you're not stretching the envelope or you're not oh. stretching the rubber band or you're not, you're not pushing yourself. Mm. You know, I said it when I was younger, Louise Hay said, feel the fear and do it anyway. Ruth Sokop said, do it scared. Mm-hmm. Um, there could, I probably could find a thousand people who've said something similar, but you know, that fear is also part of the success you're going to be feeling because you felt it. And the average Joe would say, Oh, I'll just go back to teaching until I'm 95 mm. and bitter and old and puckered up. <laughs> but okay. you're smart enough to know that you've got more to give. Yeah. No, I mean, and I said too much, but I, I was, I mean, at the beginning of this school year, I got a telephone call, you know, are you interested? You know, there's a, there's a, an opening, we need someone and you know, you'd be perfect. And it was like, I, I, I thought about it for a hot minute. I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I said, no, thank you. Good. <gasps> I'm so that was proud hard. of you. <laughs> I bet it was. I bet it was. I mean, yeah. When, when but yeah, thing, I mean, during that the day, was a test, Lisa. That was a test. Was it? Mm-hmm. I think so. Do you? 
I think it was. I think mm-hmm. it was my mm-hmm. commitment. So now I think we're about out of time. We be. But I would like for you to just tell me as succinctly as you can a few of the reasons, maybe say three of the reasons why you think the decision you made two and a half years ago was the perfect decision for you. Um, three reasons. Okay. Um, first of all, um, summer break is the mm-hmm. first reason. Lots of people will stay in teaching because what other career do you get a summer break? That's wonderful, right? Unfortunately, if you're too exhausted <laughs> from a year of teaching, if you're so burned out that um, the summer break isn't long enough to rejuvenate you, um, it's no break. Right. Um, it's, it's better to be doing something that gives you that, that feeling of purpose and power on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there is that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is... Sunday night. Okay. Sunday night is, I mean, the, the teachers is like, oh, you know, that what in many careers, many jobs, you know, it's like, oh, you know, Sunday night, night, you know, and guess what? I don't feel that anymore. (laughs) You don't have any Sunday nights anymore. I love it. Yes. Um, and just that, that gratitude. When you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, there is an incredible feeling of gratitude. I mean, when I get done with these interviews and um, I, I get up in the morning, I don't set an alarm clock there. I mean, I am excited about doing the things that I'm doing, whether it's editing the podcast or doing the writing um, or preparing for our, our sidetrack sisters meeting or um, doing the coaching work or contacting somebody to be interviewed um, or being interviewed. Oh my God, is that fun? That is like, <laughs> that is like so, inc- I mean, actually the last interview that I did, um, the, the person who interviewed me texted me that she wanted, wanted to know if she could get my, my um, address because she wants to send me an old fashioned thank you card. And it was like, I, 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 I want to say thank you to her for interviewing me because I mean, I got done with that and I was just like floating and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you just know that when those things happen on a regular basis, you are doing the right thing and Absolutely. it is just so much fun. So summer, Sunday night and, you know, just having that feeling Let's of call real- it freedom. Let's call it yeah. freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that happy feeling about the work you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Would that it, be the right way to say it. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, there it was, it's not like there wasn't joy and excitement and fun and camaraderie in teaching those, yep. you know, but there it's just, I mean, yeah, it feels like such a good fit. And you know what? I am so sold that you don't have to do any more selling to me. And I know you're going to need some support through these next months. And you've got it, girlfriend, because this is what you were made to be. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I, I'm, I've surrounded myself with the people that are going to help me be successful. And, you, um, you know, I've, Michelle and I, in our interview the other day, we're talking about her, her goal now 
Now she's five and a half years younger than I am. Her goal is she wants to retire by 55. Yay. You know, and, um, and we've already talked that, you know, together this um, sidetrack sisters, sidetrack legacies and the, and the coaching, um, you know, as our company gets bigger and we start expanding and being able to help more people, it's not just a little one person show. It's, it's something that takes um, a team to be able to um, keep moving forward and expanding and growing and helping more people. Well, and you have the luxury of having yep. a built-in team. Exactly. Yay. Exactly. I started with the team, the, 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 the free um, slave. <laughs> I don't want to say that. <laughs> that's not a politically correct word, but yeah, you, you are um, the unpaid family team. <laughs> and we love every minute of it. Lisa, I think we're about out of time. Yeah, so I think, I know. you know, this is a typical you and I could talk all night, but I think we want to wrap, wrap this up. up and and I want to say thank you for your honesty and for being willing to say it just like it is because yeah. too many people hold back and I love that you don't. Thank you. It was fun. You're welcome. Okay. It was fun. Love you, Judy. Love you too. Bye-bye. Bye. And before we call it a wrap, I just want to say that I would absolutely love to hear from you. If you have any questions about what we talked about today or any other topics that you would like to see addressed on the podcast, just go to the Sidetrack Sisters page or the Sidetrack Legacies group on Facebook. We would love to engage with you and grow together on this legacy journey. Don't forget, if you like what you heard, please, please be sure to leave a review for us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And also, be sure to subscribe or follow us to be notified of new episodes. So, that about does it. Thank you so much for listening today. Our goal for this podcast is to inspire you to look at your own life, tap into the memories, find the wisdom, and write it down as a legacy for your loved ones. Until next time, take care.